All right. So where do I begin? Well, as I'm talking about revival tonight, I want to say that I'm not really talking about just a Pentecostal church or a Pentecostal service. I've grown up around Pentecost, but there is a big difference between just Pentecost and revival. Yeah, that was a good place to say, man. But I know that a lot of people, honestly, a lot of people that are here may not even be familiar with Pentecost to know what I'm talking about. But just because something is Pentecostal does not mean that it's revival. There's a difference. Revival goes forth in a way that just because some people speak in tongues does not mean that there's a mighty violent move of God that's going on. That's revival. Amen? So when I'm coming at this tonight, I'm talking about revival, and I'm talking about revival as far as Book of Acts, Christianity, signs and wonders, miracles, healings, deliverances, deliverances of demon spirits, the power of God moving forward. That's what I'm talking about. The ministry that Jesus had and the ministry that we see today among those that are open to it and hungry for it. And there's a great price to pay, which I'll get into that. But revival, basically, in my opinion, is Book of Acts Christianity. That's where you're seeing the outworking of what Jesus did on the earth. When Jesus was here, he went forth preaching the gospel, but he went forth also in power to see the sick healed, the dead raised, demons driven out of people, the power of God. And whenever he ascended... You remember when Jesus began his ministry, he was not going to begin his ministry until he was clothed with power. And he went to John, and I'm not going to get into the big long spill. John was a descendant of Aaron. There was a passing of the priesthood. We all know that. But when John baptized Jesus to fulfill all righteousness, when he came up, the Holy Spirit clothed him in power. And then he went out and faced the devil, defeated him, and came back. When you're called to the ministry, God's going to put you in the wilderness to face the devil for a little while, okay? But when Jesus came back, it says this about him. He came back in the power of the Spirit. That's how Jesus began his ministry. you got to understand, that is so important. People are coming out of Bible schools right and left without the power of the Spirit. How in the world do they think they're going to be effective? Oh, well, you know, I can preach a good sermon. A lot of people can, but that's not necessarily going to change anybody's life. There's got to be an anointing on that word, and it's got to be a word in season from the Lord. What is the Lord speaking now, tonight? What is the word of the Lord? I'm talking about a rhema word. Not just any word will do. A rhema word is what brings a cutting edge in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to break open an audience and a crowd. I'm telling you, whenever Peter got up and preached on the day of Pentecost, there was an anointing upon him that was so strong that as he preached, The Bible says that people were cut to the heart. There was a huge crowd of like 3,000 people. These were all unbelievers up until that point. And Peter got up and preached Christ, him crucified. And as he preached the gospel, that crowd, the power of God broke open that crowd unto salvation. Do you know what I mean by break? I'm talking about the satanic bondage, the stronghold of that area, whatever you want to call it. The deception, the hold that the devil had on them got a crack in it. And the, and, the, and the wind of the Spirit of God came in and they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. But Peter had that anointing to crack open that stronghold. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that cut them to the heart and drew them unto Christ. No man can come unto the Father unless the Spirit draw him. So we've got to have a mighty anointing and a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about revival. 
I believe that the church by and large in America and other parts of the world, Europe, Middle East, Africa, you know, Finland, Scandinavia, by and large, most of the church out there has been subpar, below the norm for so long that they've accepted that lifeless Christianity, the lack of the anointing, the lack of the miraculous, that that is normal. But how many knows that is not what the Bible calls normal Christianity? And all of a sudden, revival comes, and God begins to breathe life into the church. And all of a sudden, the anointing starts coming up. The glorious the glory of God begins to visit. The power of God is manifest. And people are like, what is that? That's some strange thing. It's not strange. It's what Jesus walked in. It's what he passed to the early church. That's why when Jesus ascended, his ministry was in the power of the Holy Spirit. But he told his disciples in Acts 1.8, he said, but as for you, it's not for you to know the times and seasons about everything, but here's what you're going to do. You're going to go in Jerusalem and you're going to wait there until what? Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. Then you will be my witnesses. What Jesus was saying was, you've been with me. But don't just leave the Mount of Olives right now and start scattering out there preaching the gospel yet. Wait until you're clothed with power, then go do it. That Jesus was saying, basically, that's what I did. That's what you must do because you cannot do this without the anointing. You won't be able to. And so they went back to Jerusalem. We know the story. They waited the day of Pentecost came, which Pentecost is this week. Celebrating Pentecost. But they waited. The power of God came in. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, clothed with power. And we know the story. They went out in the power of the Holy Spirit. But revival hits. And when revival hit Jerusalem, among that 120, it got everybody's attention. When revival shows up, it gets people's attention. I mean, people looked on, they sneered at it. They still do today. They thought they were drunk. They weren't drunk. These are not drunk as you suppose. <laughs> These are filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, when somebody's really filled with the Spirit, they may look drunk. But they looked on, they laughed, but the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon God's people. And when they came out and preached the gospel, people got saved. Peter went to the temple gate on his way to prayer. There was a crippled man, been crippled his whole life. Everybody knew the guy. Every time they went to the temple, they saw him there. Everybody knew him. And Peter and John prayed for him. He was miraculously healed. I mean, this is the type of normal Christianity. If you read the book of Acts, normal Christianity was, you know, angels would show up. A dead person that had been dead for some time would get up. Some crippled person that everybody knew would get totally healed. This was normal Christianity to them. And it shook cities. Whole regions were shaken by the power of God. It would have affected the atmosphere spiritually around everywhere they went. Apostle Paul, you know, I imagine his motto was, we're either going to have revival or a riot, but we're going to have something when we show up. Amen? I'm sure the Apostle Paul probably had a joke with his followers. Guys, we're going into this city. We all know either we're going to have revival or a riot, but this city will never be the same, you know. And whenever God shows up, things happen. Right now, we're in a season of great momentum. And I'm speaking this river of life prophetically. We've come out of the 40 days, praying with other churches, fasting and believing God. And I'm going to tell you, there's a momentum right now in the Spirit. And we've got to keep riding that momentum. It's began, it's at an infancy stage. In many, in many ways, it's like when Elijah prayed and he saw... Um, the cloud the size of a man's hand 
It always starts like that. It always starts like that. The Bible says don't despise the days of small beginnings. Something birthed in that 40 days. And it, it may have been the size of a man's hand, but it's going to keep growing until it becomes a mighty downpour. And just as the prophet spoke recently, that there's great breakthroughs right now in the next three months. Great major breakthroughs. And so we've got to lay hold of that and pray it through. Those of you that have been believing like never before for healings or, or deliverance or some kind of breakthrough financially, breakthrough in relationships, you need a better job, you need the ministry needs something. Listen, now seems to be a time when things are opening up. Press in and believe God. And as we're doing a church planning, we're going from here into this next season. We're going into a different harvest field. We're going into a different city. We're going to see greater things than we've ever seen. I'm telling you, as we step in there, the anointing and the glory is going to increase. I can even sense it even tonight stirring. And we're moving forward. But I want to prepare you. Last week I preached kind of a hard, strong word. You know. But it was necessary. And we need to hear words like that. We really do. All of us do. I do too. We all need to hear them. But tonight I'm going to come from a different angle. I'm going to talk about revival culture. You know what a culture is? A culture is something that moves from just being a temporary thing to it's deeply ingrained in people. You know, it's like the, the sermon that I heard about atmosphere. You know, whenever a region, it starts out that they may have some weird weather pattern. It's an aberration. It's just there for a time and it goes away. But over time, if that weather pattern stays and it stays and it stays, it becomes a climate. And in that climate, you know, certain types of trees and plants and certain, even certain types of animals can thrive. But in that climate, it'll be different. And ultimately, as that climate stays for a long time, it becomes a culture, you know. And you can see it down in the south. You can see the palm trees. But you go up north, it's a different, it's totally different climate, different culture there. Well, the same thing is true about what I'm talking about tonight when I say revival culture. You know, in times past, how this thing started, and some of you don't even know. Well, God had called my wife and I, and uh, we moved to this geographic region, not knowing you know, what God had in store. And I was working at the time. I, I was out of um, Steve Hill's ministry. I was doing down this direction, doing a lot of street evangelism. And, and we were doing a lot of, um, basically having a cell group. But we were seeing a move of God. But as we were praying... And seeking God. I'm talking, this was an infancy stage. This was just a baby. And I'll never forget that in the meeting one time, I literally saw this cloud move in. And I knew, I said, man, it's begun. This little cloud moved in. I could see it. I don't think anybody else could. But I would watch this thing as it would move over to a certain person and go to them. They would start, they would just worship it. But they would start crying, you know, under the power of God. And then that little cloud would move to different people. But I knew when God's presence came in, because when God's presence comes in like that, that's the glory. I knew that when that came, that revival had begun at an infancy stage. And as we stayed with it, kept praying, kept, kept fasting, kept believing, kept getting out on the streets and winning souls, you've got to be consistent. The devil wants to stop your forward momentum. You know, a lot of people, they'll go out and try to do soul winning and evangelism, and it's not easy you know, one week they'll see a lot of people, the next time they go they won't, and so they give up. 
but you got to stay with it. You got to keep moving forward. You hear what I'm saying? And as you keep going after God and keep doing, keep praying. You're not seeing everything yet, but keep praying, keep praying, keep fasting, keep believing, keep doing what you know to do, and over time it gains momentum. Well, over time, we've seen some major, incredible things. We really have, and now it's becoming. Not just a church plant, but I believe God has some major things on the horizon. I really do. All right. So when heaven invades earth, look at Jesus' life. He told Nathaniel, Verily, very truly I say to you, he was telling Nathaniel this, you will see heaven open. And angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Think about that statement. Book of Deuteronomy said where there's a curse. The ground beneath you is iron, and the sky above you is bronze. What that means is this. The ground beneath somebody being iron is, is they cannot plant, they cannot sow and reap. Because the ground is not producing for them. The sky above them being brass means that whenever they try to pray, and they try to press into God, and some of you have maybe experienced this in life, or you experienced it someplace you went, it's like, it feels like God's very distant. And it feels like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling. And that's what it was saying there. That, that's where a curse is. But where there's a, there's a blessing of God, the Bible says the heavens will be open. God says, I will send my rain on the land in season and it will bear fruit for you. That's an open heaven, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus walked under an open heaven. I don't want to teach on that tonight, but the heavens being open, it is a personal thing. Not everybody has an open heaven. Open heaven comes by having a strong prayer life. It comes by living holy before God. And as there's an open heaven over your life, then there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and there's a downpour of blessings. And when you pray, you get quick answers a lot of times. Not always, but you can under an open heaven get quick answers. Also, through an open heaven, angels of God ascend and descend. And I believe, and I agree, I heard this preach, I believe this, that through that very open heaven over you will be probably what you're raptured out of here through. It's a portal. Jesus walked under an open heaven. So wherever he went, the skies above him were wide open. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There was angels ascending and descending. There was heaven's activity. You see what I'm saying? Wherever Jesus went, the kingdom of God went. That's why when Jesus would go into a place, he wasn't saying this arrogantly. It almost sounds like an arrogant statement, but he was speaking it just matter of fact. He would walk into a place and he would make this declaration, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, does that make a little bit more sense in light of what I'm saying? When Jesus came in, heaven came in with him. Heaven's activity came in with him. He brought the open heaven to those people. And they came under that open heaven, angelic activity, the kingdom of God invaded that place. And so when Jesus came in and said, the kingdom of God is upon you, he wasn't just saying that. Literally, the kingdom of God was there. And where there's an open heaven, there's a lot of miraculous activity. We've seen over the years, many times, where people have encountered angels. We've seen many, many times where people have been miraculously healed. Why? Because there's an open heaven. Many times people are delivered of demonic spirits, even here recently, there's been several. But things like that just break it open. It breaks open where the kingdom of God invades. 
Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good, healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. When the kingdom of God shows up, demons flee. When the kingdom of God shows up, healings and miracles take place. There's manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And I want to get you acclimated to this. You've got to get accustomed to revival and to what happens in revival because it's going to freak some people out. You can't lick your finger and stick it in a light socket and sit there calm. Something's going to happen. And whenever people have an encounter with God, things happen. And it freaks people out. It scares them. They don't know what to think. But heaven's invading earth. There's a collision with the kingdom of God. And I want you guys to be ready for this. Because as, as we continue to move forward, there's going to be an increase. I know a study in revivals of times past, there would be great manifestations of the Holy Spirit. People under Finney's ministry would be sitting there just like you. And whenever it was time for the altar call, they'd be locked in that position and just fall over on the ground groaning under the power of the Holy Spirit who was convicting them of their sin. They said that you could feel waves of electricity in God's power in the meetings. And his piercing, glaze, his piercing gaze as he stared at people. There was a conviction of the Holy Spirit that was so strong. Other great revivalists of times past, people would fall under the power of God or they would shake. They would go into some kind of trance like Peter. Peter was on the roof, went into a trance, saw a vision. Remember the story. I know in one meeting, uh, Rodney Howard Brown was saying this little girl, and I've shared this before, she had got locked into a trance. She was under the power of something, but she was locked in this trance. And her mom saw it, didn't want to interrupt what God was doing. Later, the mother asked the daughter what happened. This is a little girl. And she said Jesus came to her and talked to her. And she said, well, what did Jesus say? And she said, well, Jesus told me that I must forgive so-and-so. And her mother said, well, why? And she said, well, because he molested me. I think it was an uncle, I don't remember. This was a little girl, somebody that this conversation was kind of deep for their age, okay? And so the mother said, she didn't even know about him anyway. So this little girl said, Jesus told me I must forgive him. And if I'll forgive him, then he'll heal me from the wounds. So she was having this conversation with Jesus. Here she is in this locked trance. So if you looked at her in the natural, it's like, what in the world's going on? But here she was having an encounter with Jesus. Jesus said, if you'll forgive him, I'll heal you. And she said, I forgive. And she said, then Jesus touched me. And she said, all the pain went away. But are we willing to pay the price of being persecuted, made fun of, and everything else because some little girl is having a trance? And you got this religious person over here that's like, what's wrong with this little girl? This is weird. This, this must be the devil. Do you see what I'm saying? They don't understand. Are we going to let God move and God do what he wants to do? And deal with the persecution that goes with it? Or are we just going to shut down revival and have a dead church like most people? But when the Holy Spirit comes in power, I'll never forget. I'm giving some testimonies, but back in the days of the Brownsville revival. I remember going down there and seeing people shaking under the power. I mean, they would be touched by God, but literally for days... For days and days and days and sometimes a week or two, people would just be shaking like this under the power. And they couldn't stop shaking. They didn't know why. So why are you shaking, man? I don't know. And 
And they would come back. I, was, I happened to be at Bible school at the time. And like most Bible schools, they weren't all that on board with the revival, actually. A lot of the professors were. But some of the students were going down there, getting touched by God. And I knew some of these guys, and I knew how goofy they were. And I thought, and I saw the change in their life. It was, it was very noticeable. And I thought, it must be God, and God must be moving, because I know these guys. And I know for the depth of change in them that this has to be a move of God. So I went down there, got touched by God. But I remember just seeing the shaking under the power and people falling out, being under the power for very long periods of time, having encounters with God, major miracles breaking out. In the middle of his church services, sometimes there would be a demon scream out as, as somebody's being delivered. One young man was studying. Um, he was on drugs, and his parents had to kick him out because he wouldn't get off the drugs. The parents had to kick him out. He was on the streets. Some biker came and picked him up. And this guy happened to be a shaman, a witch doctor. And as they got together, this shaman was teaching him the dark arts. This is a totally lost young person, okay? He's looking for somebody in his life. So he began to learn the dark arts. He began to learn about witchcraft. And as he stayed with this guy, it got darker, more evil, more weird. And he ended up down in Pensacola, Florida at the Brownsville Revival, sitting there on the church grounds, and he's thinking he's going to curse everybody, you know? And he's being interviewed, and somebody asked him, said, well, what happened? He said, nothing happened. <laughs> he said, I tried and tried. And so anyway, he ends up in the revival. He's inside. The evangelist is making the altar call. And he said this. He said, I don't know. He, he was so full of demons and so much bondage. He was just kind of just stuck there. But he said, I don't know how. But he said, I felt something pick me up under my arms. And he said, I was lifted up. And he said, I just kind of just scooted down. Something was carrying me. He said, I scooted down to the altar and I was plopped down the altar. And he said, I gave my life to Jesus that night. And he ended up in their Bible school. I could go on and on and on about the stories of just miraculous things that have happened to people in revival. Why? Because there was an open heaven. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God invaded earth. And then people's lives were totally, completely, radically transformed. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, and I gave you all the scriptures for this here. But many times you're going to see people fall on the floor. Why? Because the power of God, the glory of God, is so strong they cannot stand. I mean, that's just bottom line. It's like the, I was talking about the Catherine Kuhlman meetings and that lady that got healed in her ears. Remember me telling this story? And I, I was talking to this lady. She said she went down there and she's, she's a big lady and Catherine Kuhlman was a little bitty lady. And she said, that little woman ain't going to push me down. And she had this attitude, you know, and people were falling down. And so she gets up there and she says, the next thing I know, my eyes are open. I'm staring at the ceiling and there's a man helping me back on my feet. And I'll never forget whenever I was, I was ministering at this home for teenagers. And this was fun because they were totally unchurched. And to be honest with you, the real religious traditional crowd is the toughest crowd, okay? The, this was not like that at all. I mean, there was people of every race. There was people of every type of background you could imagine, literally from all over the nation. There would be an Episcopal, a Catholic, a Baptist, you know, a Pentecostal, an atheist. Somebody used to be a witch. Somebody came out of a gang. All of them were there, okay? And you know what? God showed up in such an incredible way. I saw all the time, saw them getting right with God, healed, delivered, 
of demonic stuff, baptized in the Holy Spirit. One, one little Baptist girl came up and she said, well, I'm scared of this uh, tongues. Isn't that sad that, that they teach that to, to make people afraid of the Holy Ghost? That's sad to me. She said, I'm afraid of this because I've been taught that it's of the devil. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Her name was Jamie. I said, let's do this. I'm just going to stand here. You ask Jesus. Jesus, if this is you, I want it. If it's not, I don't want it. Just, just do that. I was just standing there. She said, Jesus, if this is you, I want it. She, no, no, no. she fell out speaking in tongues. <laughs> True story. The funny story, though, at the time was I was praying for people in this one meeting, and they were falling. Okay, And so this one girl, bless her heart, she was terrified, I guess. So like if I was in one corner of the room, she would make her way to the other corner. So if I came this way, she was doing this. You know what I'm saying? No matter where I went, if I went to the back of the building, she was up there. Well, her friends got touched by Jesus, and they were getting up and telling her what was happening. So apparently, she started realizing, wait a second, this, this is God, this is good. And so she comes up to me and she wanted prayer. I had already prayed for everybody and she says, but Scott, I want prayer. But she said, I'm not falling down. I said, I don't care if you fall down or not, it doesn't make any difference, you know. And so she's, she's wanting me to pray for her and she's doing like this. She's like, <laughs> so I'm just kind of laughing at her. I'm laughing at her. If I remember right, I just kind of did the one finger Jesus. But anyway, she she just she literally of all the people prayed for, she was hit by the power, flew back in the air, landed on the ground. It was hilarious because this is the same girl. Like I'm not falling down. And then it's like poof, there she goes. It's like okay, well I guess Jesus wanted you down. Okay, she was so hit by the power of God that in this particular home for teens, that they had these dorm moms that would live with them, take care of them. And this door mom, she comes up, you know, and like picks her up like a sack of potatoes, throws her on her shoulder, and had to carry her back to her dorm and put her to bed because she couldn't function. God radically changed that girl's life. I saw them turn from being, some of them being the hardest, most bitter, angry people, resentful, to turning into people that really loved the Lord and had a sweet spirit. It was unbelievable. You're going to see people shake, jerk, tremble. I don't know why people shake. A lot of times during the revivals, people would pray and ask the Lord, why are people shaking? And one of the, one of the people in the revivals felt God speak to them that it had to do with cleansing out all the old junk. Maybe so. I don't know. Groaning and travailing. As part of revival. During the Azusa Street revival, they said they could hear people that people that lived around the revival said two or three, four in the morning they could hear the groaning and the travailing and intercession of people as the sounds of revival was coming out of that place. The groaning and the travailing. Remember the apostle Paul said, I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ be formed in you. There was a groaning and there was a travailing in him in intercession apostolic travail and there are people that are intercessors and prayer warriors that tap in to the lord's heart and they have this groan and this travail for the lost i'll never forget listening to that because really truthfully out of all the revivals of recent times brownsville was a mighty revival when it came to souls 
And I'll never forget hearing the sounds. You you should look this up for yourself on YouTube. Type in the Brownsville Revival. Something about prayer, intercession, or groaning and travailing. You could hear little children, little bitty children, weeping and travailing and groaning. And it was amazing to me to see the Holy Spirit on little bitty kids like that. And what they're doing is, is through their deep intercession... They're birthing people into the kingdom. They really are. They're praying people into the kingdom of God. Souls. Deep bowing. Heavy weeping and crying. Why do people weep and cry? God's using them. He uses those tears. You know, the Bible says that if you go out weeping, you'll come in rejoicing with sheaves. Laughing. Why are people laughing? The joy of the Lord. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy. I remember many times seeing people laughing under the power of God and getting up totally free and healed from some things. I've seen that a lot where people have been laughing. Remember the Bible says that joy is like medicine, doesn't it? A merry heart doeth good like medicine. I've seen people under the power of God laughing and laughing and laughing and get up and they were healed emotionally from some things. They were different. The joy somehow healed their heart. Where they were once in their heart, it was broken. They were sad. There was a deep sorrow. There was some trauma. Now, the joy of the Lord has come in and bound up and healed that broken heart. I'll never forget, back years ago, my daughter had actually been through a major trauma in life. And um, she went to Branded by Fire back years ago at the Brownsville Revival, probably 2005 or six time frame. And she was there at the Brownsville's Branded by Fire Youth Conference. And somebody had prayed for her. She was hit by the power of God and was out under the power of God for four hours. Before she left, she was so hurt and traumatized by some things that had happened.
that we might have clean hands and a pure heart, Lord. 